I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? TalkSTL.com real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the war room of the O'Keefe Think Tank, this is Real Spoilers, episode 1523. No. Son of a bitch. Want to try that again? Future you. Well, no, I'm yeah, back now. I'm all dis- I have jet lag. Think, he just got back from episode like 225, yeah. so it's, you know. Batman vs. Superman. Eh? Sucked. Uh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. Just, just letting you know now. It sucked. So, uh. so uh, episode 153. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Whew. Okay. And uh, in which we will tackle 13 hours and might also be the length of this episode. <laughs> so uh, we will uh, hop to it. We will go around the room and everybody can introduce themselves. This is Dan. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. And returning from the from the previous episode, he stuck around, which was nice of him, is uh, John Lanius, Executive Director of Vidsu Media. Thank you, With John. a government pass. Yes, sir. I'm making air quotes, but I'm making shadowy air quotes. Yes. Yeah. And yes. uh, and uh, if you skip the box office report, if you're from St. Louis, I will also remind you, he used to be on uh, The Point back in the day when I was floating around, when Dan was floating around. He was part of Joe and John, the nocturnal emission. Yes. yes. It's like a, a, a reunion show. What's that? In a way. Well, they did one not too long ago. That's right. Yeah. Well, t- not too long ago, meaning like two years ago. God, has it been yeah. two years already? Yes. Wow. Oof. Yes. Oh, I feel old. So, he, yeah, he's done all sorts of interesting things in his background. So, And then, uh, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on iTunes. If you want to go there, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. And uh, share the episode with a friend, whether on the internets or in real life. They will appreciate it. I feel awkward because I actually thought this movie, which I didn't see, was about Ben Gazzara. <laughs> and so, now so I am totally unprepared. His video recovery will not be it's applicable. It's not going to make any sense. It Sorry. Will be completely inappropriate. Not going to make sense. So, uh, so I guess let's dive into the movie itself. Joe, Joe has the synopsis. Joe normally oh. does our synopsis, and he's not here. So, my first thought was, I'll go to the Wikipedia. That's always a good way to cheat. And it's two sentences. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. So, you know, we used to do this without a Wikipedia. Yeah, you still, like I said, you still run into movies sometimes that don't have, yeah. like, sometimes it's, like, ridiculously thorough and well, other times it's, it's actually not. very long, but it's redacted. So, right. he's right. only got, like, 13 yeah. words. So, <laughs> Kevin, go. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Clock uh, I don't know. We'll just do our best. So, do you are you good at doing <laughs> plot point by point? This is we're so unprepared here. Thirteen hours is the story of the secret warriors of Benghazi. <laughs> Okay, it's the scary whisper guy. You know the story. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, so the the movie takes place what in 2012, and uh, John Krasinski he plays uh, Silva, De, De, Jack De Silva. I disagree with him as a choice. I'm just oh, saying. I no. thought you. Oh. I thought you no. were saying that I got the guy <laughs> no, 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 wrong. No, 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 no. Checking no. on the fly. You told me to jump in any time I no, want. I yeah. So <laughs> I. No, I, you're fine. Yeah. I just I, thought. I thought I got his name wrong. I was yeah. like, oh Jesus. What did <laughs> no. I do? So there are a lot of American contractors in Benghazi. Correct. So he is one of these contractors. A lot of guys are back home with military training. John Krasinski's character was a Marine, I believe, and his other buddy who he was in the Marines with. Was he with. a SEAL or an Army? I thought they were all either SEALs or Army Rangers. So they're all a part of JSOC, which okay. is the Joint Special Operations Command, right? Okay. So that includes Delta Force, that includes SEALs, that includes a, a whole group of that, right? So, right? so they're chosen or picked to be a part of JSOC. What about G-Force? Uh, no, G-Force doesn't exist. Damn it. I mean, Aww. the G-Spot does, but we're still looking <laughs> for it. I thought that was a myth. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. that's yes, our journey. You, yeah. you keep mything it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's some old-timey radio humor for yeah. you. So, like I said, I'll keep jumping no, no, in. No, absolutely. So, I just thought I got his name wrong. No. So, Chris, so, Jack De Silva. So his buddy, his buddy, uh, and is that Tyrone? I believe is the one that calls him in. So they were in the military together, and he Tyrone's already over in Benghazi. He's kind of the lead commander of this secret force. But they're and, not actually government employees, right? No, they're, well, they they are government employees on inside the distinction contractor, right. meaning that the CIA has hired these guys to to perform a particular function, and they they make a distinction between actual agency personnel and. Con- Contract personnel. The reason why the government has contract personnel in place is that if something goes wrong, then you can blame the contractor. That's the reason why that that happens that way. Gotcha. What does he the, do? What is his job back home? He's a construction guy or something. I, I can't remember what John Krasinski's character does back in the states, but you know they all these guys, these ex-military oh, guys, he have was regular. Doing, he it sounded like he was doing real estate stuff because he talks about the real estate bubble burst. Yeah, something with housing. Out. Okay, yeah. so a lot of these guys obviously are back home doing these you know regular jobs, but they've got all this military training, and so they love to go back overseas and be contractors. You can make good money doing that. Yeah, and uh, all these guys have families. They mentioned that it, you know these guys have families. They have kids. They're going over there to make some money and use their skills. So his buddy calls him up, and John Krasinski, the movie opens with him on a plane, and he's going to Benghazi, and that's kind of how the group gets together. So they bring him in as the new guy. You know, we, we see Benghazi. We see how it's probably not the safest place. Like, if you're looking for a safe place to go, you know, there's just military in the streets. There's people with AKs, guns everywhere. So, you know, this is... Uh, wait, what are you talking about? St. Louis? <laughs> Well, yeah, but Benghazi is actually a little worse. Ah, yeah, a little worse. But that's his first impression. I mean, the movie starts off with him being driven. Basically, they're him and Tyrone are trying to make their way to this CIA compound that right. they have set up, and they immediately have issues, and they immediately have a run in with this militia. So they're they're going down like a one way little alley, and there's this checkpoint this militia has set up. You know, so you've got a guy on a truck with a huge gun. You've got people with AKs walking around the perimeter, so they're in trouble right away. So they're stopped, and these guys are telling them basically when they pull up to get out of the car to pull over and they so show what were they going to do to them 
Like a steal, they were just going to kill them because they were Americans, they could right. steal well, their car. Well, it, it could have been any of that, but that was the scene where I completely stopped even giving John Krasinski the opportunity to, <laughs> be, to, to believe him as a CIA contractor, really? to be quite honest, right, okay. uh, based on based on how he was operating and then also how he was holding his sidearm, his weapon, um, in, in reaction to that. Everything about that said that John did not take the time to go get trained because there are dudes available in Hollywood through the CIA to be able to, to have these things done right there is an office of the cia that actually is is committed to having the correct portrayal of cia sure. officers and and personnel in movies and so john did not take the time to do that now would the cia work with a mo- work with a movie like this because like i don't think the cia come off looking so hot well no the, the cia would absolutely work with them on that because actually i'll i'll, I'll i, I sent it to you considering michael bay has very uh strong alliances with the military based on uh the past mm-hmm. so like and he, i would think the cia would want to make themselves look better if you know yeah. do anything they could to it could make have been it cronut day craft services could be pretty attractive <laughs> yeah. on those sets so so basically the cia has has officers uh, and they're in their entertainment industry liaisons right so if a movie is being pitched to Hollywood or anything that the CIA is involved, like, you know, in the press, there was this whole thing about how, oh, the CIA went and talked to Michael Bay about about the Benghazi movie. Of course they did. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. because you want to get it right to some extent, because okay. most Americans still don't know that the, 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 the story of the CIA even being there. Right. All, all they know is the story of the makeshift em, uh, embassy and, and then what happened to, you know, our diplomat there. Mm-hmm. They took some heat because they were working on Zero Dark Thirty too, right? Right. Like yeah. they, yeah. they were like, "Oh, it's just a government." Like the government's just taking, like issuing dictation on how this movie should play out, right? Like I'm just saying, I remember that being an issue, right? Well, to, if if I can talk a little bit about my my credibility and yeah, having absolutely. this conversation, yeah, yeah, right? I didn't know what you were comfortable with. Well, no, I'm fine with that. But one of my best friends was at that fob. In Afghanistan, the one that got blown up, right? So six months before that he, he was going to go to that fob, he said, I've got a bad feeling about going there. And I said, then don't go. Zero Dark Thirty is about that forward operating base that's there. And he would have been the, the translator that would have met the car that, that, that did the car bomb. So when you talk, and by the way, he, he no longer works for them. He works for other agencies. But my, but my point is, is that what's interesting about what we're seeing right now with movies like 13 Hours and Zero Dark Thirty and, and even comedies like Spy, the American public and the world for that matter is beginning to have a collective consciousness understanding of the CIA, which in its history since 1947, uh, you know, has never, has never really happened before. Right. Right. So, so is that because they see value in people knowing that, or is that because everything they're telling us has already been replaced with something even more secretive? Precisely. So, so for example, uh, the NSA. We now know the NSA, right? Not not because of Snowden, for example. It all started with a guy by the name of James Bamford. James Bamford wrote a book called Inside the Puzzle Palace in in the late seventies, early eighties, and in that and that book got him arrested. 18 times that book uh, that book also well, well why repeatedly well hang on okay <laughs> uh, during the Reagan administration when you declassified information you could not reclassify it because of James Bamford's book they changed that policy the government now at any point in time if they declassify something they can reclassify it at any point in time and that book changed that so 
there was a huge fight between the CIA and the NSA that went on for years and years and years. And for example, uh, the the NSA would say, you know, the the CIA's value is one piece of paper off of some diplomat's desk. The NSA's value is literally sucking up every data that's available. The age of the the age of the the spy or the age of the case officer or any of that is over. Uh, in the sense of being a covert, powerful operation from a uh, f- from a hidden perspective, I kind of said that twice, but you get my point. Yeah. The whole thing, though, is that now it's all about TIA, which which refers to total information awareness. So other agencies you guys have never even heard of are now doing things that would blow your mind and in, in, in your ability to suck up data and disseminate it in such a way that no spy will ever or could ever do in our modern age. So I always wondered when you have these secret agencies, how do they hire people for them? Like, like I mean, like you, you clearly you don't hire everyone you interview. Tryouts like American Idol. Right. So like, how do you how do you interview somebody for a job like that without giving up the idea? Or if you're good enough to get interviewed for it, will you already kind of know that that's there? Well, you already right. have a security. So card. that's I'm going to use proverbial quotes here. Okay. Okay. Radio quotes. Right. Sure. Let's say that you've gone through the process of being hired by a government agency. Hypothetically. Okay. Hypothetically, sure. let's say you've gone through that process. By the way. If you haven't ever, if you ever have an opportunity to be interviewed by a government agency, please go do it because the process I've heard is pretty fascinating. Okay, yeah, so uh-huh. the first thing that I'm, I've heard that you'll sign is something called an SF eighty five. It's called a standard form eighty five. Sometimes an SF eighty six, depending on who you're working for. Right? What that document does, it has you state every job you've ever had, everything you've ever done, every every place you've ever lived, and then any foreign national friends that that, that you may have. That document then gets turned over to OPM, Office of Personnel Management, hypothetically, right? Sure. So then I would already be out of this process. Right. I like I don't like when I fill out a job application when I'm like high school, I'm 45, uh. I'm not I'm not doing this. <laughs> well, so the 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 point is is that it has been said before that anyone who is an expert in their field and is known has been contacted. Because at the end of the day, it's all about good intelligence, right? Right. So, for example, how does a guy like me in the late 90s, early 2000s, who was doing, quite honestly, and fart humor on the radio, right, suddenly end up working as a contractor for the people that I worked for post 9-11, right? I'm multilingual. I've been studying martial arts for 30 years. I have a very particular skill set. And what I... No, wait. I'm sorry. that, (laughs) that, that, That was a movie. When you have a particular skill set that serves a particular need, trust me, there are people out there who are out there looking for it. And so when you talk about, um, you know, this, like, for example, the office at the CIA, which is a, which is an entertainment liaison, I mean, you know, media now is the most powerful thing we have, right? And so, you know, when you're, when you're head of a media company or when you're working with anybody out there and, and they're going to tell a large story about your agency or anything else, the CIA is going to be involved in that, especially if it's a movie like 13 Hours. And I, when I watched that movie yesterday, knowing I was going to be here today, right. you can clearly see when they are in charge and you can clearly see when Michael Bay is in charge. Right. There is a distinct difference. Jump cuts. <laughs> well, you know that Michael Bay thing where it's that it's that quick pan in, right? right. Uh-huh. Where you've got that look of intensity, right? It's like, okay, Michael, that was really unnecessary. Seriously, it's, it's Hollywood taking over, right? 
so basically right when they arrive they get into this road blockade and uh the two guys in the car like showing them their cia badges or like you know oh here we're here on a i don't can't remember what the badge said so they weren't cia badges Not so CIA, they, they, contractor they, they were badges. backstage passes nope, nope. No? and they were contractor badges they were official libyan government ID. It was like their, okay. their papers. Working for the government. Right. Okay, right. gotcha. Right, right. right. So, what so they wouldn't show what they were doing. Correct. So, gotcha. so what they were saying is that we're here representing the, the new Libyan government, right? Well, if they're friendlies to the Libyan government, great, they'll let them go by. If they're not, and they're one of the rival, like one of the gangs that are like, you know, rising up that now, you know, for example, you know, Libya is now a failed state, right? So ISIS is growing up very quickly there. So if they're a part of that, then so what if they shoot them in the street? What is somebody going to do yeah. right I, i'm going to just point out that i'm very uncomfortable talking about the libyan government in front of a flux capacitor <laughs> <laughs> so can we could just kind of make up another code name <laughs> which by the way listeners again if you listen to the last episode i distinguished in the room that they actually do have a flux capacitor yeah it's real it's we make, do? making me a little nervous we won't tell you where we keep the plutonium we, but well and we don't have a mr fusion Good job in the future, Tom. I only made it to 2017. <gasps> yeah. Fine. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't 2015 where yeah. all that takes place? No, he didn't go back. I'm confused now. <laughs> Can we get back to 2016? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they show them their ID badges that they're with the government, and instantly they tell him, you know, get out of the car, and he's like, we're not going to do that. And so they all pull out guns, and there's a, a Libyan standoff. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> so, so you know, everyone's pointing a gun at each other. Which, I mean, at this point, I would have thought someone would have just fired. I don't know how they had this much restraint, aside from because Hollywood movie. Yeah. But at this point, when they all have guns turned on them and they pull out guns, I would think the guys would just start shooting. But they have this little standoff, and Tyrone, the the main guy that got John Krasinski there, tells him that, oh, above you, we've got drones. Everyone's got guns pointed at you so unless you want us to you know we see your face we know your family unless you want us to come after every single person that you know and take you all out you're gonna let us by so the guy you know after a few minutes you know a few seconds of hesitation lets them through and sigh of relief but basically you see right away i mean that's our first and and you find out that he's completely bluffing that they had 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 nothing their their resources are very low-key here i mean so so they're held up in this compound where they've got basically a bunch of desk workers you know doing regular jobs and then there's these like six guys now right i mean there's only six of these military personnel Mm -hmm. contractors there so as far as their backup quote unquote or air support there is nothing like that there there's one drone flying around you know taking videos surveillance and then there's them yeah so there and then there's like a mile away there's a pretty dilapidated u.s embassy right and so that's where that's where we eventually get to so john krasinski's character has introduced all the other guys there so there's four other guys there and we kind of get their background you know one of the guys is an insurance adjuster these guys all have their jobs they all have their families and kids John Krasinski's there for 60 days? Is that what his... Yeah, so so a, a government contractor, do, it depends on how much they sign on for and how long, right? And that you... So usually three to six to, to a, to a year-long contract, depending on what they're working on. Okay, gotcha. So I, I think his character was there for 60 days. That stands out in my head. Does that sound familiar? I, I feel remember. like he's like, I'm going to do my 60 days or, you know, it was... Anyway, so he's there for a, a shorter length of time, I think, or eight weeks, something like yeah. that. What they learn is that uh, they are going to have kind of a... Does anything happen before they go and meet the the ambassador guy? I can't remember if anything... Well, you basically just get the setup of that this is basically uh, slobs versus snobs kind of comedy. And uh, 
and <laughs> because you get, oh, you get the, the CIA director. guy, yeah. the CIA guy who the guy who's running yeah, the, the CIA and is all like everything is like, oh, you stupid meatheads! Uh, I'll yeah, get yeah. you kids would, one day. Yeah, you know, and then so, they're like, man, you just don't get it. Yeah. we're we're on we're boots on the ground. Well, you then don't you got ogre who's over there right. trying to get out of the <laughs> right. Well, can I speak to that for a moment? Sure. sure. So what I loved about what I loved about the movie was the fact that they showed the case officer. I'm sorry. I mean, sorry. They showed the station chief in, in, in this particular distinction, right? Right. Um, as as really being, you know, kind of the kind of the general manager of what's happening, you know, in in that office. Um, what's interesting now about the CIA is that for the most part, um, a lot of their operations, especially overseas, which is where they're only supposed to operate, it's interesting that they got that right. Like in the sense of the difference between CIA personnel that are being tasked with very specific missions, different from the, quote, security guards, as they said in the movie, which are some of the most highly trained military personnel on the planet. Right. You know, like in the movie when they talked about two Delta Force showing up, which I thought it was interesting that they that they selected only two. Right. Can I can I explain Delta for a moment? Sure. So most people don't understand the difference between the SEALs and JSOC and, and Delta Force, but Delta Force is supposed to be the best world of CIA and the best world of military. And, and by CIA, I mean tradecraft. So CIA personnel will train Delta Force in specific tradecraft, right? That, that allows them to, to really move between the worlds. They're able to not necessarily have to wear military uniform. They can choose what they look like, which in a lot of ways they, they look like Duck Dynasty on, on steroids. Which is like the two guys we see later that that come into the picture. Correct. Huge beards. They look Correct. just kind of. I Correct. don't know. Well, and you'll and you'll see that over there in that world because the, because the beard is respected, especially for men, right? And and I can show you pictures of my friends that all had that. You you know, and so you you need to be flexible to the terrain that you're in in, right. in order to occur. To, to, to hide out in plain sight, essentially, to, to, to use a phrase you guys do the, have heard I, before. I've always wondered, do, are, do the, are the beards used also to kind of, like, hide ethnicity? Like, I feel like a lot, a lot of people, especially if they, have, if they have dark hair, it hides the fact or helps masquerade the fact right. that they're white. Yes. Well, here, here's a part of the problem with the CIA, and the CIA recognizes this, right? If you go on to CIA.gov, and I invite you to do that, all you'll see on that website is diversity. And for the most part, if you if you go to work for the CIA, uh, you probably more often than not have a military background or you have a very special skill that they need as a part of a particular mission. But for the most part, if you're working overseas in a non-military capacity and there's a difference between overt and covert operations with the CIA, they're going to pick, you know, I mean, whatever. If you're going to a brown comp- country, they want you to look brown. Right. If you're going to a black country, they're going to pick you know, a personnel that's black because you've you've erased part of the first part of that. In, in the movie, they even talked about it. You get a bunch of blue-eyed white guys showing up in a country where there aren't blue eyes and, and, and uh, right, right yeah. there, right? Kinda yeah. So everybody little. knows where you are. And so to be surprised that, oh, like no one knows where this secret CIA base is. Really? All the white people <laughs> keep going to this one place with walls. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just like the doesn't Oscars. take rocket scientists. Yeah. Right. Well. So our our group of guys end up our contractors end up over at the American 
embassy. So they're on kind of like a babysitting mission. They're, yeah. they're there to escort the guy, ambassador, Chris Stevens. Yeah. Yes. Who, I mean, of course this is all based on true stories. So these are real people right. that were over there. And this, this ambassador gets into right. trouble later on. And, so, and, and they were correct when they say that Chris Stevens is actually like, he, he really believed in the mission. Yeah. Like he really, really believed in it. Chris Stevens from, from the friends that I know who know, who knew him, you know, have nothing but nice things to say. Yeah, I mean, even when all this was going on and it was, it was just super political hot potato. Everybody was like, but that dude's the real deal. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now I've had, I do have friends who ran Hillary Clinton's security detail in Afghanistan. Right. And they've got nothing nice to say about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> so not that I want to make this political sure. per se, but you know, even in government, you know, there, there is a difference between people well, and, that are really for the mission and not. Well, and that's not even necessarily a political statement because well, it's just it, personal. Be, it's Hillary Clinton. Because if you're, well, because if you're talking about, Political from the stat, from the point of view of like teams like right versus left. Well, Stevens was over there at the behest of the Obama administration, so mm-hmm. presumably he's on the same team as Hillary Clinton, right? Correct. So, like, that's not. It sounds political when you say like they didn't like Clinton, right? But if they like Stevens, then that that to me says that right. it's probably not political. Not motivated. political. No. You know what I mean. Yeah. Right. Can I can I also jump in and talk a little bit about you 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 said the babysitting right yeah. of of this ambassador right so the CIA are going to go and meet with DS which is which is which is the diplomatic security right of the State Department mm-hmm. these guys are extreme and women are extremely well trained but the problem with this already from the get go even though there's a lot of personnel that you don't see in the movie that are supporting what's there for the most part they were they're already completely behind the eight ball in in the sense of the amount of people that you need and the and the amount of opsec that you need in in order to really pull this up op, uh, operational security. Now, was it true that they made it seem like these two security guards that were there with Chris Stevens were underqualified? They said between the two of them, what do you think they have? Twelve years of military experience. Okay, now keep in mind also we're filtering this through the fact that let's just take on the possibility that the CIA vetted and wrote this script, which yeah. they did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, and right. it's based on a, it's based on the book right. that the characters in this movie wrote, mm-hmm. like that you know that these contractors wrote. So, also, I mean, I think I kind of couldn't help but feel that there was some retroactive twenty twenty hindsight going on exactly. there, massaging, yeah, right, of, you know, right. because that was that was part one of my complaints about the movie. I don't think it's a bad movie, but like one of my complaints about the movie it was that there was a lot of macho posturing in in this movie that and and it was I felt like it wasn't characters doing it even though i mean it was done by characters but i felt like it was the movie Mm -hmm. the movie was was signing off on that macho posture right you know well and also we have to really understand that all movie is propaganda right Sure. So what is the what is the message that we're sending here? If we're going to have control to tell the the secret story of Benghazi, right? Well, the secret story of Benghazi is all about the CIA. Right. And so then when you talk about the central intelligence agency, the one that everyone knows about that everyone is supposed to report to necessarily through John, well well through the intelligence czar, but that's a different conversation altogether. You know, they're going to want to have control over that narrative, you know, and, and, and present themselves in such a way that, that they were better trained but didn't have the opportunity to based on whatever leadership was telling them that, that, that they could not operate, you know, freely to do what they needed to do. Right. So do we think that maybe the guys guarding Chris Stevens really were qualified to do it? They just made them seem like they weren't really well, the he, right guys for the job. Well, here's the deal. I, I, I personally would not want to mess with, with any diplomatic security force of any kind, whether it's mm. State Department, whether it's whether it's uh, as special teams of the FBI, whether it's, you know, JSOC operators or Delta or any of that. My point is, is that those, all of those personnel are well-trained, but just 
just like anything in in any organization, right? There are people that are better at things than sure. than others. So the, so the question always is are your assets matching up with the possible threat, right? And so when you're talking about um, this, for lack of a better term, embassy, even though it really isn't an embassy because there is a distinction in place that was not in place there, right? When they, when they talked about how this is a perfect place to, to be picked off by snipers and that all of the security procedures weren't in place, absolutely, you're a sitting duck. And they even said it in the movie, if any large significant force gets through those walls, you're all dead. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I took it as like they might not have like they weren't bad but they just hadn't seen enough action maybe and that they're also i also heard it as there also just weren't enough of them yeah but they you know they just didn't have enough staff to, yeah. to adequately protect because you know it's, it's interesting because when they show the two different compounds when you see this makeshift embassy you see two or three guys you know one of them which was just like uh, their tech contractor guy but you know he's playing video games the other guys were kind of like in hawaiian shirts like smoking a hookah hanging out by the pool and then meanwhile back at our cia contractor compound you got everybody with their shirts off doing push-ups rolling tires like it just seemed like these <laughs> the guys Iron Man <laughs> competition. But, but seriously like these guys were the real deal all lifting weights they're yeah. huge they're jacked you know and then these other guys are just hanging out it, it was very interesting that right the, I, for, I i would say this 75% of the movie I loved a- accurate on on all presentations regarding how the CIA would operate uh, infrastructure and everything else what I didn't like about the movie was the fact of was some of the casting choices and some of the ability of some of these actors to, to really pull off what it means to, to, to be that right and then some of the really like the bad shots and the and these dramatic moments that really didn't need to be there but I guess seeing it through through my filter and understanding what what I know and what my experience has been, like they nailed this movie in the sense of of an overarching you know story about what contractors and about what personnel have to deal with. Where I was like, oh, you know, the government's stupid. No, there are some of the smartest, most fascinating people on the planet that work for our government. But it is the red tape and it is the politics and everything else that allows those individuals to not be able to fulfill their missions. So there's this quick like, oh, the government's stupid. They don't understand. Right? No. They do, but then the question is, what is? It's always about what's the larger question. Well, also, I mean, it's it's easy in those moments to say, like, well, why couldn't they do this, and why weren't they allowed to do that? But at the same time, if you let, if you gave people that much autonomy, and you know, the government hires a lot of people, and presumably, when you hire a lot of people, if even a small percentage of them are nut jobs, yeah. or, or even just bad decision makers, right, you're going to have international incidents left and right. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. so in most instances. In most instances, I think that that sort of red tape, the, those sort of protocols are to your benefit. Mm-hmm, but yeah. there are times when they are not. And right. this was one of those kind of perfect storms where they were the the protocols in place were working to our detriment. Right. right. But you can't pick and choose. It's like if you want to control all those nine out of ten crazy incidents that would happen, you got to yeah. have rules. And I mean, so I get it. Yeah, it's totally. just you wish that things could have turned out differently in this situation, but the policy is in place for a reason. It was interesting to me. So, so my wife and I saw the movie yesterday. I'm the only guy in the theater laughing throughout the first part of the movie, right? Yeah. And I'm laughing out of, out of I, okay, that was, you know, like... A recognition. Exactly, yeah. right? Well, it was funny for me because after the movie, we, f- folks, I don't know if you know this, we, we live in Missouri, and there's two Missouris. There is the Missouri and there is the Missouri, oh, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So and I, you're right on the border. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I thought it was very funny that after the movie, all you could hear in the, in the theater from those who were making noise was, I just would have shot them all. I'll tell yeah. you what, if I would have been there, I would have done what I was going to do. No, because at the end of the day, you're 
you're making a lot of money if you're a contractor, and you're also a career person if you're working for the CIA as a personnel. And guess yeah. what? You're going to follow the orders that they gave you. Which, as much as people don't like that, that's the truth. And, right. the, and and they do follow the orders for a long time, the contractors, against their better judgment. Yeah. So the embassy, start, everything starts to go crazy at the embassy. Well, well first of all, so uh, Chris Stevens is giving a speech, and their first little babysitting mission is to take him you know, to this speech, and he gives the speech, and it's supposed to be an undisclosed location. It's not a public event, and all the media somehow catch wind of where he is. The front gate opens, media and people are coming in, and so that creates a very unsecure location. And so John Krasinski's character is like on guard. Everyone's standing there, like at all the exits and entrances. And, you know, a waiter drops a, a tray of drinks and they all kind of jump. I mean, you can see that yeah, obviously the situation is very, yeah, and of course you would be in this, you know, you're you're there where I think John Krasinski's character is the one that says, this is the part that my wife hates. Any of these guys, anytime could could have a vest on and blow us right. all up. Like yeah. you've got a crowd of, of people rushing in that you weren't expecting and any one of them uh-huh. could kill you, blow you up at any time. And so it's that nature that's scary. Well, you, if you think about it for a minute when you talk about war, it, the last time that we had a war where we knew who the good guys and the bad guys were was the Civil War. For the most part, right? I mean, you can go to other countries, and yeah. if, and if it's a bunch of white people, quite honestly, for lack of a better whatever, mm-hmm. and and you're fighting in you know in Japan, you pretty much clearly know who's what and what, right? But then you're you're over there, and how do you know who the, who the bad guy is and, right. and who isn't? If you're not wearing a gray outfit or a blue outfit, you know, I mean, there's no distinguishing. Right. Yeah, and put and, and put yourself and put yourself in that space where you're like, I don't want to have an international incident. I don't want right. to have to shoot somebody unless I have to. So then they go even further to make the distinction between if I can't see a weapon. Then I can't fire on right. that person. No, because I mean, I could see these guys. I mean, these contractors, aside from the obvious fact of how tough this job would be being over there and having to do what they have to do, what's even tougher is the self restraint and the control because you're going to be jumpy. You're going to be looking out for stuff. And in this movie, the control they show, like later on, the stuff we'll get into, but you see people that you know, everyone knows these guys are about to attack them. Right. You know they are. They're coming up and they're like, until you see a gun, until you see whatever, I mean, they are holding out to the very last minute to do anything. And so it's amazing. Right. And if I can talk a little bit about the psychology of that. Sure. We saw this with, with, with Blackwater, right? You're a contractor. You're working for whatever agency they say they're, you're working for, and you'll never know who they were working for, quite honestly. But if you mess up, you're going to be held accountable for that. Right. You just are. And so they, they can prosecute you as, as a contractor. So there's already another level of psychology in place called, I may be working for the CIA in a foreign country where at any moment I can be shot, but then I have to look out for myself. And am I making the, the right. most correct decisions and choices, which is why most of them now are recording everything. Mm. You're seeing the cameras and you're seeing all that on their person yeah. so that when those times come, when you're talking about an international incident, then you can make informed decisions about what to do. Yeah, it makes that makes sense. So, so they're a little jumpy, but nothing nothing bad happens here. You know, the the speech goes fine. Uh, they take the guy back home. You know, he's supposed to go out the next day, but I guess his people told him, especially with the incident they saw with all the unknown media and just random people rushing into that speech, they told him to stay in the compound for the rest of his time there. So, so he basically tells these contractors, John Krasinski and the crew there, those six guys, like take the take the day off, take the night off. We've there's there's not going to be any problems and they say okay well we're just a phone call away let us know if you need us we're a mile we're a mile that way so they leave 
And then this is where it just ramps up. I mean, basically, we see a bunch of the, I don't know what you would call the the militia, the Libyan extremists, the militia that's against the government. I don't know what, what do you call that group of the quote unquote bad guys well, in this movie? So let's that's, that's, keep it simple, right? So for lack of a better term, let's just call them ISIS right now, even though that wasn't the name we were calling them in 2012, right? So there is the force that is supposed to be the new force of the Libyan government, right? Which would be the, the Libyan army, which by right. the way, it, the most money that you can pay them tells them what to do. So you're also living in a country that lives off of bribes and 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 to get everybody organized in what they're doing. Well, later in the film, the guy says, "Give me a give me a duffel bag full of cash and a plane and, and a plane." Yeah, yeah. you know, he's like, "I'm going to go over there and start paying yeah. people off." Yeah. Um, Post nine eleven, when when our military and and other personnel deployed to Afghanistan, um, they l- literally had bags. Filled with millions of dollars of cash because that's what that was. That's what's going to get that conversation going. Yeah. It, it it transcends all my political. It's like if I'm able to give you ten thousand dollars, you're going to listen to what I have to say, Dan, aren't you? I, I thought you already were giving me ten. Yeah, well, exactly right. But I mean, but but that, that's but people uh, Americans and other and other countries don't understand yeah. how that works over there. You know, it's I don't. It's like because at the end of the day, if if you're a Muslim and you are really following the the tenets of, of islam you are to destroy all other religions you just are now you may not choose to do that in the modern age but if you're reading that so then why what's my what's my impetus to have a conversation with you right money right yeah especially for the zealots and that's who you need to talk to exactly yeah so so yeah the so basically we see those guys gearing up and and you know they're getting all their weapons together they're recruiting people meanwhile we see people that you're not really sure who's on whose side as far as, you know, the, the CIA and, you know, the, we'll call them the good guys, you know, have all these security guards. We have, you know, Libyan, you know, the good guys are, are kind of supposed to be protecting them. And you're not really sure. You see the bad guys talking to some of the quote unquote good guys. You're not sure if they're well, really feeding them information. At one point, I don't remember, I think it comes a little bit later, but somebody was like, you know, the the guys who were attacking were doing X, Y, and Z, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm on the phone with them. Yeah. And, like, he's just on his... Yeah, like, yeah with like, the bad guys. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, you don't really know who's... I mean, I just kind of presumed everybody was going to be bad. Like, I didn't know who was in on it. You've basically got our six good guys, as far as military goes. The right. rest of the guys in the compound are, you know, like desk workers. And so we've got our good guys, some other random security guys, and then everybody else is questionable. And so you know that stuff's about to go down here, and they first go to the... Chris Stevens, the makeshift compound or embassy, that's where the first stuff starts going down. And and they start attacking people, 30 of them, 20, 30 people? 30, but the, the real force was much larger. Was it? Okay. So yes. really, because in this movie, it seemed pretty overwhelming, and I was wondering if there were really that many. So there were No, tons. no, there were more, but uh, but okay. when you talk about budget, when, when, when if the script says 150 insurgents, uh, we can afford 30. Yeah. yeah. Right. Gotcha. So, so they start, so these like 30, 40 guys start storming the embassy and uh you know they hear they're they're all again kind of hanging out and they start to hear gunshots and and bombs going off and stuff just starts going crazy all the 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 guy that's running like the security cameras is looking and and he contacts chris stevens and his bodyguards the guys that are there and are basically like yeah we're under attack so they try to get to the safest 
the safest point in this makeshift embassy, which is just really a room that has a gate. It's not like there's a huge, you know, metal yeah. bunker type thing. I mean, they've got like a gate and they call it a panic room, but it ain't right, it's not Foster. really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not that panic room. I mean, it's literally a gate in a room. And so you can there's not much cover. It was like a big wide open room. Pretty much. It was and, terrifying is what it was. Yeah. I mean, to, to imagine uh, not even being able to really hide behind a corner in this room. I mean, basically, they go into this room. There's a gate and then there they are almost looking at each other uh with the exception yeah, of a it, bathroom and some other it wasn't like jodie foster from panic room it was more like jodie foster from the accused right well and he, here's something else that that what i, I thought oh, was funny I, about that scene yeah. i i didn't want to entertain that yeah. but anyway so moving on um what, what's interesting is that so so you know you're seeing a lot of AK-47s, right and mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of you know pretty decent um firepower yeah right well, you're also dealing in a country that doesn't have reinforced walls. So what I was seeing in the movie, that panic room, any of those rounds would have gone through the, you know, yeah. any of those walls. Right. So, I mean, great, you're laying on the floor. Awesome. But more often than not, you, you're going to die You've in been that hit room. hit by something. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it, so they basically showed there's no protection in this room. But for whatever reason, I mean, that, that gate that they had set up kept kind of kept them at bay. And at first, and they all start leaving. And at first, I thought they were going to get one of their grenade launchers or RPGs or whatever they had. I mean, these guys had like RPGs that they're showing you all throughout the first part of the movie. And so I thought, you know, of course, they go, oh, they're retreating. The good guys, you know, and Chris Stevens and all them. Oh, they're leaving. Oh, this is great. And you knew they were coming back with something which i thought they were just gonna blow up that gate but they end up coming back with gasoline canisters they light the place on fire the whole place goes up in smoke and so they try to lock the bathroom door and you see this black smoke billowing from underneath the door and you know no one can breathe in that and so they basically they they smoke them out they force them to to come out and from there it's just like it's just total chaos Meanwhile, back at the compound, the CIA compound, these guys, the contractors, are they hear all this going on. They can see it. It's only a mile away, and they're kind of up on the hill, so they see all this fire, and they, they hear gunshots, and they're like, we got to go help them. We're their only hope. And the chief is like, it's not our jurisdiction. Yeah, it's basically. Not our that, that's not, a, yeah. That's we're not no, even supposed to be here. Right. We're right. not officially here. So we can't go help them. And, and the contractors are just like, well, they're going to die if we don't help. So they're just sitting there all frustrated um, that they can't, that there's nothing they can do. And so, you know, we keep cutting back and forth and, and, you know, there's more, more of the good guys over at the embassy are dying and they're, you know, they're all suffering from the smoke and they're basically, you know, they're dragging, they're dragging people at this point like they're uh, the tech guy is like totally at this point you just think knocked out or something but he's they're dragging him by his bulletproof vest all the guys are coughing and just coughing junk up and then cutting back to i guess the the cia they're just like we need to go like at, at one point the main guy is like they've got the trucks loaded up all their equipment is on they're ready to go and at one point he just kind of decides he's in charge that we're not waiting any longer right he basically says we're leaving and they take uh, they take an interpreter who is like this guy that's not fit to see military action but they have no way to communicate with even the good guys figure out who the good guys or the bad guys are so what uh, i loved about that scene when you talk about like the realism of this right yeah. every contractor has to be weapons qualified for whichever theater or op- or operation that they're going into so when he, when he actually said when he actually said i'm not weapons qualified and then he goes here's your gun you're not qualified yeah. Yeah. that was a- that was an actual 
real dialogue of what would happen in that particular case. Because oh. if someone is not weapons qualified, I'm not taking you with me because you're going to be a liability more than an asset. Right, right. exactly. So, yeah. Well, I, and you keep hearing that because the translator, he keeps telling him, like, quit point. Like, he doesn't know to keep his gun right. at the ground or whatever. Right. And yeah, he, he was totally He references, like, three right. or four, t- enough to where I thought it was foreshadowing. I thought the, he was gonna I sh- thought the translator right. was going to shoot him accidentally at some And point. quite honestly, in, in reality, these men that are that well-trained, that are terrifying individuals on the planet, they would have removed the gun from him and just said, fuck you, I'm done dealing with you. Yeah. And they would not have kept the gun with him. Give him a gun. Because why would I be, you know, you, so I learned this in martial arts a long time ago. You never get hurt by a fellow black belt. You get hurt by white belts. Right. That's who hurts you. So in this particular scenario, he was the white belt. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm surprised they actually took him. I mean, whether you need a interpreter or not i thought in this situation i don't know that in real life they would have well, taken mo- that big of a liability and, well, that's kind of surprised me too because most of those guys that are contractors usually are are lim- bilingual they yeah. they've had language training they've, they've been through that process yeah. so for the sense of the movie fine whatever right I get it. right so they end up taking him they get to this they get to another one of these roadblocks uh, on their way there and uh they actually the, they meet the good guys, but then from around the corner come these this bad militia, the bad guys, and they start blowing stuff up. You know, they're shooting they're shooting trucks with rocket launchers and all that. And so these guys are, you know, fighting them off. Uh, the the translator guy they who was sent out to talk to the bad to the who are actually the good guys ends up having to like duck behind a a truck and almost dies at that point. So like. Right away, I'm just. I thought that guy was going to die at that point, you know, in that first interaction. But yeah. somehow he survives that. Um, but you know, basically, the, the the short of it is they 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 fight their way through the militia and the bad guys they meet along the way, and they get to the makeshift embassy. They end up by the time they get there, you know, all the guards that were guarding Chris Stevens. I mean, they're all they're fighting for their lives. I mean, just from the smoke inhalation and and their injuries, and they end up losing Chris Stevens. The bad guys take him. One of the the tech guy ends up dying, so they they drag his body out and they put him in a truck to bring him bring him back. But the security guards guards all live, I think. I don't know. I don't think any of the guys died at. The, I mean, at least in this movie, I don't think any of the good guys that were guarding Chris Stevens died at this point. I can't remember quite honestly. Yeah. So uh, so so his like main detail guy, the guy with the mustache, they end up bringing him back. The black guy, I I didn't catch his name, but he was the other security guy with right. the mu- mustache guy. Ernie, like, what's his know, la- is, wait, what is it? What's that? The black guy from the movie. I don't remember what his name was. Okay. It's- hey, I I can't remember. I, you know, it's hard to keep track of all the different characters in this movie, honestly. They were just kind of all... There's well, so many of them. Well, so from a screenwriting perspective, they actually broke a rule there in that you shouldn't go beyond about eight characters right. in, in a screenplay, right? You're you're like 15. Like Even right. my wife said, my wife was like, where'd the blonde guy come from when he throws right. the body off the <laughs> I don't understand who these people are. Right. Yeah, right. you know? yeah, there were a and ton. It, so it, it doesn't help that a lot of the actors looked similar. They did. Too. I mean, yes. when you talk about big military guy with big scruffy beards, right. I, they all did kind of look the same. They just, and that's what you picture. I, w- I was helped because I knew a lot of them from other things. So I was like, oh, yeah. you're Jim from the office. Yeah. Oh, you're Nurse Jackie's husband. Right. You, <laughs> you were on the unit. Yeah. Like, Was one know? of the guys from the office, too? Was he a warehouse guy? The I, I swear that guy with the beard that, spoilers, with the guy that ends up making, one of the guys that ends up making it, I swear he was in the office, too. The guy the with warehouse. the glasses that's kind of the tech guy? No, no not oh. him. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it David Denman? Is that Boone? Is that him? I'm just trying to look at the, yeah, I think that's. That's him. I know him from something that I feel like it was kind of out of his norm. He's Mad actually Man. searching IMBD right now, folks. Yeah. That's what yeah. he's actually doing. 
<laughs> oh yeah, the office. He's from the office. Oh, he was a yeah. warehouse guy, Roy. Oh, he was. Ju- yeah, he was. He was Pam's first oh, yeah. boyfriend. Yeah, he is exactly. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, was, I I remember looking at him like, insane? why do I know that? guy? I'm like, I know that guy's yeah. from the office. He was a goofy, like overweight warehouse guy. And well, he, he wasn't goofy. He was a. Remember, he was Pam. Yeah. He, yeah, he was not goofy, not goofy. Yeah. I shouldn't say, but yeah, he was just kind of a yeah jerky warehouse right. guy. So, well, my takeaway right now, and this is no, never go see a movie with Tom O'Keefe because he's always going to see it through you know the lens of the 800 other things he's seen. Absolutely, <laughs> that is absolutely how I. That's how I see everything. So when I saw this, I was thinking, you know, and I was. I was pretty sure that guy was from the office too. I'm like, so two of our six military contractors are comedians from the office. <laughs> yeah, and I, and they were rivals. Yeah, in the office. yes. I I just Pam's affection. Yeah, I just thought it was such a funny. It was interesting casting of you know John Krasinski yeah. enough, but I'm like, wow, this is a yeah, big badass you, contractor guy too. Like, yeah, what? you would you would think that with those guys being on this on such a well known show together that they they would have opted to not yeah use so them both two of the six right there yeah um, but anyway and they, then Toby showed up and it was like yeah wow. yeah I, like even they're the, going for this I, like I remember Juno was like that but they always kept um, yes. Jason Bateman and Michael Sarah never had a scene together no right. right right they end up bringing the security guards back to the back to their compound you know they they get the guy's medical attention that needs it and then again I I hate that we don't remember all these characters names but the other there's like two main security guards for Chris Stevens there's mustache guy and the black guy I don't remember their character and names. those guys were both diplomatic security so that's state department okay so the other guy that's not mustache guy is basically really beaten up he basically you know blames himself he's like i couldn't protect chris stevens you know they they took him so he's like i'm gonna stay up all night with you guys because the contractors are basically like hey you need to go rest you've you've just been through hell you know the with all the gunfire and the the smoke and all that stuff and they're like go rest and he's like no it's my fault I'm part of why Chris Stevens was taken and that's on me and I'm going to fight all night with you guys. So he ends up being a, a good asset and let's be frank, they can use all the help they can get. There's like six of them against a whole army. Mm-hmm. So they basically are setting up. They know that they're coming for them next. So they reload, they get all their ammo, you know, huge 50 caliber guns and, and chains of, you know, looks like something out of Rambo. I mean, they are, they are getting all their ammo and supplies and they're all taking different rooftops. There's like, different towers there's like four or five different buildings around this compound and so they've split them all up onto different different towers and and then they kind of set up and they're just waiting for it what, what i thought waiting was it, and waiting <laughs> like this the movie really bogs down at right. this point you know well what i thought was interesting is that they they were correct in that they knew that the enemy would come through zombie land what, what they mm-hmm. called zombie land because yeah. it, it's, it's from a terrain perspective that was the best place that they could come from and so that's why they were setting up where they're setting up. Yeah. So so there w- there is this area where there were were they goats or sheep? I can't remember. Goat herders, sheep, goat, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So one of those one of those animals. And, Bad. <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was really weird. Like like they mentioned in the movie. So these these shepherds are out like walking around. This at this point it's like midnight or two a.m. But it's like very early hours of the morning. And these guys are just walking around. So you're not sure. You're like, are these guys helping? the bad guys are they are they bad guys are they gonna pull out guns right. like you never really know like they're constantly questioning who is who and what is their motive which i mean again that just speaks to how scary of a situation it, it is you nuts think about yeah. it put yourself yeah. in that role right yeah 
Every, you, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, so there's, I mean, because these, they, they talk about it and this, the, the compound that they set up, they said this was like some mansion, some estate of some guy that left town, some, you know, some wealthy Libyan guy and he is basically leasing it to the CIA. So this is just someone's like estate, but they're like farmers and there's, there's guys, I mean, constantly throughout the movie, they look from outside of the walls and there's people like right there praying, you know, on their mats, like right on the other side of the wall. Watching soccer games. Yeah. There's yeah. people just living and, and doing their thing right around. So it's like at any point in time, couldn't, don't you think that one of those guys would tell the bad guys that there's Americans there? I mean, you constantly would have to be just nervous as hell to be in that situation. So, uh, again, I mean, that just speaks to what they have to go through. But uh, so they know they're going to come through the zombie line area. And sure enough, and this is what I was talking about earlier, the bad guys start approaching slowly. You know, you get a guy walking, walking in, then you get two of them, then you get three. But, you know, all the guys are just at their post and the main guy who I think is Tyrone, you know, he's like, you do not fire until I tell you. And all these guys are just, you know, with their itchy trigger fingers pointing at these guys and they know that they're about to attack them, but they want to wait until the most opportune moment when they can get them all in one area so they can take them out efficiently. And so they don't, they do not pull the trigger. And, and of course, until they see a gun, they keep mentioning if they don't have a gun, mm-hmm. you, if you don't see a gun, you can't shoot them. Well, so they actually they, said until the gun's drawn because they were really? like, yeah, everybody has a gun. Everybody's yeah. got a gun here. No, that, yeah. that makes sense. Right. right. So they're all carrying guns, but it's not drawn. So like all these guys are waiting and they're like, let me take them out. And he said, you do not go until I tell you. And so they, all these guys are approaching with their AKs on their back and their grenade launchers and everything. And eventually they, a guy draws a gun or whatever and Tyrone says okay and they start firing they you know and they that's when there's like 30 of these guys or yeah well, 30 was, or 40. what was interesting about this i mean when you talk about taking on a hostile force right there's the, the so military's trained and, they, and these are not the exact words but this is the energy of it timing and distance right so if somebody has a sidearm like a like a 9 or a beretta or whatever right you can be closer to me or you have to be closer to me in order to be effective right mm-hmm. as we get larger and larger weapons we can be further and further back well at what point do we engage with them if, if they're going to overrun us, right? right. If you got an AK-47, and, and which everybody has that, I've got to be watching for when that's drawn and when you're going to start attacking me. Because if you don't do that, then you are going to get overrun, and then everybody is dead. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, obviously, very strategic, and so that's why you have to have guys that know what they're doing over there. On this first, I guess, this first assault on the CIA compound, they take out all these guys. So a pretty good scene. I mean... Speaking to the the action part of the movie, you know, as far as the guns and the sound and the the special effects, which seem very realistic, they seem more practical than mm-hmm. I didn't see a bunch of CG blood flying everywhere. I was really impressed with it. Like, I yes. thought this was a good action movie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the car scenes are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're all really good. Yeah, when they're fleeing the embassy and driving through the streets, I thought that was a that was probably my favorite scene in the movie. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah it right? really was. And and so yeah, I will say, you know, you don't see. You don't see action movies like we used to get. I know that probably everyone says that about everything as far as like what they grew up with. But, you know, in the 90s, we saw so many good action movies and we saw blood squibs and we saw practical effects. And then the 2000s happened and we always complain about this, but like CG blood looks so fake. There's no physicality to it. They cannot get it right. Mm -hmm. So we saw for a decade this this whole cg thing where of course it's cheaper and you know cleaning up a blood squib is not easy so if you do I think t- it's also easier if they need to if they need to pair that if they cross a line and drift into an r-rated violence yeah, they, they can, can take it out. Yeah. they can pair it down easier True. if it was cg no that, that makes perfect sense so you know i'm just and not to be worried about this but let's say hypothetically that you've seen actually something like this happen 
What I loved about this movie is that it was very realistic, to your point. Yeah. Like, when you shoot somebody and it exits, it's not like Clean. a splatter like you see like on a wall. No, it's a fine mist, and it's yeah. it's very like a, a very ephemeral, and they captured that like amazingly in this movie yeah i you know and, and again i haven't you know obviously i don't have the experience to see that but from my from what i would think would be realistic this the violence in it and the guns and the wounds and everything looked very realistic it was not a bunch of cg so speaking to this being michael bay the king of explosions mm-hmm. and just bombastic i mean michael bombastic bay <laughs> this this movie was very down to earth like practicality and realistic of the effects i thought i'd say 90 percent of the time yeah that those 10 percent though that's what ruined it for me was yeah. like they just like the the you didn't need to do what you sure, did, he did he did have his flair his moments of flair but i was amazed at how restrained he was during mm. a lot of these scenes my, i think my problem with it and I, th- I think that you're reacting the same thing is that some of the scenes the action scenes were a lot of fun mm-hmm. and but the problem is that this is a true story people right. actually died and it's so, like with pain and gain which was also directed by make i couldn't yeah. have yeah, fun which, during that because those yeah. were real people yeah, yeah. It, well it's because it has a tonal shift and yeah uh, or, or a lack thereof well, like uh, yeah like it yeah I, it, well i mean for the audience it's a tonal shift and right they, like they keep going wacky but it's not and you're funny like, it's yeah, like this, this is, yeah it's a real guy now. they're torturing and killing at yeah. the beginning of pain and gain like it was okay because right, everybody yeah. that had bad things happening to them you kind of felt like they deserved it so yeah, it was right. okay but then they bring in these outside people and they get killed yeah and like, they no. don't shift the tone of the movie yeah. and it still stays kind of wacky yeah, and I you're was, like this isn't wacky anymore you needed right. to shift if that if the, if that movie had i think shifted if it had pivoted yep. and become more of a straight drama at that point I think it would have been a lot better because it yeah. would have also kind of reflected back on the audience of like why were you ever laughing at this and yeah. you've been like oh I shouldn't have been and so it, but but this movie kind of does something similar but to a lesser degree in that the action scenes are so f- are sometimes so fun that I felt guilty and right. then they kept doing this thing where I get what they were doing where they were showing like them waiting and they even reference it in the movie about how. Like, you know, this is the worst part when you're waiting and your adrenaline kind of drains and you just want to go to sleep and you yeah. know you can't. And it's like, and and I liked that, but I kind of felt like they they did that too much. And I, I felt like you spent a lot of the back half of this movie waiting for action. So speaking to, we talked about the practicality and the, the effects and all that stuff that I really liked in this movie. And then the other part was this movie had me on the edge of the seat. Like I was stressed out for these guys. I thought they did a really good job of portraying uh, what these contractors had to go through as far as their fear and their, I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, like in those silent moments when it's quiet and you don't know when you're going to attack, but you know it's coming. I was worried for them. I'm like, because I knew it was coming too. They did a very good job of putting you in that place where you're, where you're kind of on the ground with them just waiting. And so, I don't know. I had that very, that sense of just like, oh my gosh, any time now, it's coming. I agree with you. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, so a contractor of that level and caliber can make anywhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a year, right? And you're going on that. You're going to take the contract because you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to balance the lottery. Like, I'm going to balance between it's like, cool, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to have to go and leave my family for a couple of months or whatever it is to make that money hoping that nothing happens. Oops, something happened, you know? And it's like, how do you then deal with that? Yeah. Right. And Krasinski even kind of references that about how he keeps thinking that he's done going back there, but it's such, 
It's, it's such good money. It's such easy money. <laughs> 100 to 200,000 in two months or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that it's, it's like, like he can, yeah, in six months make what would take him at home probably four years right. to make. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, house is paid off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can and go so, back for another six months. What do we want to pay off now? Yeah. Kids they, college. Haven't you seen Deadliest Catch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like easy money. It's, yeah. uh, it's like 30 days of work. <laughs> yeah. So we find out right before this attack on the CIA's compound that his wife is pregnant. So, you know, you've got that motivation in the background of him wanting to make this his last tour, his last job, because he's got two girls at home that he already is away from, his wife, of course, and then she's pregnant. And, you know, he talks with his buddy and he's like, you know, I don't want some other guy at this point that you talked about Tom, the downtime. He's like, I don't want some other guy raising these kids. You know, I got it. And and then Tyrone is like, is like, get home to them, get home to your girls. And so, you know, he kind of consciously, you can tell he's making the decision. If I get out of here, I'm not going back. Yeah. And this is, I'm going to write a book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to go back. Get a movie deal. I got a book deal. I will say that all of the guys on the special team, they they were really awesome. Even the guy from, uh, from CSI or whatever the criminal from CSI who uh, who tortured what's her name? Uh, I don't watch CSI. Uh, so okay, well anyway, I'm just saying that those guys, the contractors, yeah, the contractors. I thought they were great. Yeah. The actors, yeah. Yeah, what the, a great yeah. job. Short of short of John Krasinski, those guys really captured that. Well, the the one guy was on the unit, which was a CBS show about a kind of a special ops unit, mm-hmm. and that was started off really good. It got a little cartoony towards the end, mm-hmm. but uh, but he was a regular on there for a good chunk of it. And he's also he's the guy that's the he's the chauffeur in Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah but th- um, see again, like I said, I can't go to movies with you because you're going to see everybody doing yeah. everything else. That's how I keep track of them. So, well, let's get to the <laughs> yeah. final assault. So, so basically, you know, they're just waiting for this this final assault, and sure enough, here they come. You know, more people from before, lot larger guns. Uh, you know, these vehicles with these huge machine guns on them. RPGs and also mortars. Role playing games? Yeah. yeah. They did Dungeons and Dragons. They just <laughs> came with an the If they would have just played with them, if they would have just. Shadowland. Yeah. If they would have just rolled uh. the dice, then it would have been fine. But uh, so this assault ends up being really brutal. And meanwhile, we keep going back and forth with the guy that you'd mentioned earlier, I believe, Tom, with the bag of money. There's a guy that's like stuck at the airport that's supposed to be kind of their backup. Yeah. So there's a guy that uh, was also in the military with John Krasinski's character. And he, you know, he talks to them when stuff starts going down and he's like, I'm I'll be there. And so he gets the bag of money, gets on the plane, but he gets stuck at the airport for like three or four hours at one point. Yeah. And obviously, this is a very tense moment, you know between him and the Libyan guards and you know he wants to get there to help these guys that are his friends and you know his fellow soldiers and basically he's like if US guys die because of you I'm coming back here to slit your throats personally so so he eventually gets out of there with the help of the Libyan military I guess they ended up paying him off because eventually he does make it to the CIA compound with some of those police officers and guards yeah but only after one of the guys has to light up the sky with, with infrared right they, they couldn't find, find him. him yeah so so yeah there, there's no one to escort them they say earlier in the movie someone's gonna have to go pick them up at the airport because they have no idea how so to why get do you here. trust Google Maps over Siri <laughs> uh, so so yeah so they they eventually do end up and end up finding them but it isn't enough uh they they get there and right as they're about to uh, get everybody loaded up in these armored vehicles and take them to the airport um, you know to get on the jet uh, they start attacking with these mortars and so 
I asked the question to myself while well, this is happening, and they address it later, but but they've got these mortars set up way outside of the compound, way in the city or whatever, and, you know, they have to have the perfect trajectory. They have to be able to aim, you know, up way up in the sky and have them land perfectly, and these things were hitting buildings spot on. The first one, like, hits a car that's right outside one of the towers, but then after that, I mean, they're hitting them on top of the roofs of these buildings, which would be a pretty hard target to to hit if you, you were also just have to have training in order to do that it's not just you go get it and you buy it on the black market <laughs> no. yeah there's training that's involved in figuring out oh, yeah. you know the, the trajectory I mean, yeah right. think about it i mean if you play a game i mean even like a game like worms on the computer or something yeah. where you have to have arcs and have a bigger trajectory and where to find i mean that's hard to figure out and these guys are doing that with this advanced weaponry so i so you know i was asking myself I'm like something's not right here how would they have hit them with that on short notice and Cell phone, cell, cell phone coordinates. Cell phone coordinates, and some someone knew that these guys were exactly. there, and which you know someone gave them information, which harkens back to what you're talking about. Someone is going to talk, right. seeing all these white guys out of place here, and all these people living right around the area. This is where things go really bad. So you know the guys are all in their separate towers. One of these mortars comes down and boom, blows up the rooftop where um, where. Uh, the guy with the bag of money that just joined them was, and one also blows up Tyrone. You know the main, uh, the yeah. basically the main the the, command, the other main know, guy. Yeah, yeah, the other main guy. Can John I just Krasinski's say the friend. the one part about them? I hated that they took the role of the mortar and you followed it over with CGI. I yeah. hated I hated that they did that because it, you 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 didn't need to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, Michael Bay. That was yeah one of those flashy <laughs> scenes exactly, and you also get a slow motion shot because his John Krasinski's friend that had just joined them he sees it coming during that scene and as it's going behind him, which I mean visually seemed kind of cool. It was just out of kind of a weird out of place thing. Oh. I I but that's Michael Bay for you. But he starts running <laughs> in slow motion, like literally like slow motion running towards the camera. The mortar drops behind him. Boom. I thought the other thing I really didn't like was the giant Muslim robot. <laughs> yeah, that well, thought that was in poor taste. Osama, Forty virgins, Forty virgins, Forty virgins. he was credited as Osama bin Prime. Yeah. yeah, ah, there it is, there it is. So those two guys are blown up, which is obviously a big deal, and uh, you know, so we we lose them. Uh, they're still trying to fight people off. I don't even remember how do they end up all getting. Oh, so those guys end up retreating or something after the mortar like it there's like downtime after that yeah that was a weird part it was which i don't like, get why they stopped yeah, their it's attack like, are you guys once they had done that, that really didn't make sense yeah, to me no, at all at which all. the only thing i could think of is that as we find out very shortly that maybe they were the good guys the good army forces maybe cut them off or stopped them but after these mortars hit and everything explodes i mean this would be the perfect time for the army of of the bad militia to storm the compound but they kind of go away there's downtime and then we get the final caravan of trucks with the the machine guns and everything on top and they have the the libyan flags or you know they're this whole time they've been showing the militia carrying these flags and so i wasn't sure if they were the same flags as the bad guys were carrying it was kind of like they couldn't really tell either if these guys were good or bad but but all these trucks pull up and they know that with now the four guys that they have left there's no way that they can hold hold off another attack like they're like this is it we're we're done here and so all these trucks pull up and then the the guy that Earlier in the movie, when they're negotiating with one of these bad guys that had weapons, he gives them like this hang, this cool like 
I don't know what is this called. The cool, yeah, they call it tight. jamba or something. It was like a hand signal that like Chakra. yeah, it but looks it, like the hang loose thing. Hang yeah. loose, yeah. That's what they, he's giving him that symbol, which which means like are we cool or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know they so they foreshadowing earlier in the movie during that deal. Well, these guys pull up and he does that to one of the guys that's on top of one of these big guns on a truck. And the guy does it back to him. So instantly, he's like, oh, my God, they're with us. And so... That's all it takes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah, he was a bad guy before that, but once he knew the... I, yeah. They should have done that to the guys earlier. all the bad guys don't have pinkies, I guess. They can't <laughs> do that. All hand gestures. Yeah. They just they have so, thumbs, so then they're like, hey. So, so that's a huge sigh of relief for everybody, you know, and including me as an audience member. I mean, that was that was intense. That was a tense moment where I was like... I didn't know what was going to happen at that point. And that's why I thought this movie was really effective and, and drawing those emotions from you. But we find out those were the good guys and they're rescued and all. So these Libyan, the Libyan army uh, ends up loading up everybody onto their trucks. The chief at this point who, you know, the whole movie, the chief who is, you know, kind of an asshole and uh, kind of is probably being nice, but the whole time he's like, you know, this is my last job. I'm retiring after this and I don't want any <laughs> incidents. You know, he just keeps doing this whole, this whole thing. You know, this is you know, like, this is my last day on the job. I'm not letting anything through. He wants to stay behind after this whole attack where to me seemed really odd for that character yeah because he's just about to retire he's done this is his last thing like if i were him i would it think was like his his oscar schindler moment yeah of yeah. like yeah. i need to save this pen. i just won more this pen yeah he saved yeah. well what i liked about that scene was that it would pointed to shock right because yeah. if you because if you've gone just through something like that the only thing you have left is, is what is what the mission is yeah. and it's also your inability to to know you're going home to then have to deal with the responsibility of reporting for what just happened on your yeah. watch yeah but he's yeah. gonna get a medal yeah Ooh. that's what it said I mean, I, but, yeah but, i know but that's the thing right. is he won't have to answer for it he gets a medal what's right. you know which is crazy so like he is actually part of the cia and he's a government employee and you know so he gets a big award ceremony and a medal where basically he was inside hiding under a desk and these contractors were the six of them were saving every life in there which is but they make like a hundred thousand dollars in 60 days and you pointed to something that's the difference between contractors and government employees and why they hate them yeah. Right. Government employees don't like contractors, and that's why the government always attempts to move these folks back into government service. Right. Yeah. Because you can pay them cheaper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so John Krasinski's character, which I like this line, you know, you know, basically the chief wants to say that I've got paperwork to do and whatever. And John Krasinski's like, get your ass on the truck. You know, do you want do you want a couple more guys like, you know, the yeah. guys that just He's died like, you're, you're to gonna, come in? You're going to get on this truck and leave because if not, then more guys like me have to come over here and yeah. risk their lives to save guys which like Which I thought you. was cool, which was yeah. which was a great line and, and made perfect sense. So you see him get up and he starts walking towards the truck after that. Yeah. And that's where it ends, and they kind of show like what happens to everybody. I like that when they yeah. I thought it was stories, they interesting show. when they showed their real life pictures, and like half of them had their faces scratched out. <laughs> Even now, yeah, like not a joke, right? Yeah, I thought it was amazing how good the casting was for those contractors. John Krasinski aside, I couldn't even remember which one was which when they showed well, his, it. Well, his character's face was scratched. Was out. it okay? There that's was why. Okay. Face. But the ones that where they showed their faces, I'm like, they, oh they my really god, got the guys casting. Look, even like the even the ambassadors assistants. Oh yeah. looked the, like the, the bald tech guy that ends yeah. up dying. The computer guy setting up the Wi-Fi yeah. looked like could have been him. I mean, Kevin it, is very concerned about the guy that sets up the Wi-Fi looking yeah. being authentic. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of you don't have that, yeah. yeah, he's like, so often we get Ooh. overlooked. So. Yeah. 
Thank like, God. It's nice to know that if I die during an episode of Real Spoilers, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll cast an actor who looks like me. Can I just say I'm really happy you're bringing the humor back into this because we've just gone down and like murder and CIA. Yeah. That's what I do. I try to make it funny and inappropriate. I feel I've succeeded on both parts. Congratulations. Always. Yes. Thank you. So yeah, great casting by those guys. And you know, I didn't hate John Krasinski in this role as much as you did. And you I had did. things that you were looking for and like. No, I wasn't looking for them. He showed them to right, me. Right, right. <laughs> you knew what to look for, I should right. say, whereas okay. I didn't. Well, um, I think we all know that ultimately this was just John Krasinski's calling card to Marvel saying, I can play a superhero, put yeah. me in a uniform. Uh-huh. I, but I mean, he looked the role. He was yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, was dude, he, had he, a, he a bucked up pack, for it. Like, huge, he looked great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he had the look of it. So anyone that says, oh, this is scrawny, goofy Jim from the office, no. It, he had the build. I don't know that he ever really kind of had that. Demeanor Intensity That those guys have Here's here's what John Should have done Okay There are dudes In California right now Who are former Delta And former JSOC guys That actually teach a class And you can go to it As a civilian And if John Would have gone to that class And I'm not going to say Who they are on on this show But you can go to that class And if he would have Spent three weeks And put it on I would have believed him Because he has the intelligence Of one of those guys But he just didn't have The being Yeah Yeah, I think he's a good actor He could have pulled it off he never really had that steely eye glaze that they tended to have right, yeah. right. Like, you know but all the other contractors i thought were great yeah so oh oh you know, <laughs> now, huh? <laughs> i'm staring at tom <laughs> yes so uh so dan do you have a video recovery for us yeah i mean uh you know that's not about it. ben gazzara well yeah <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> bummer uh yeah Jack, jackie treehorn that's you know, if, if the last great Ben Gazzara role, uh, Jackie Treehorn, he's got such a small part in The Big Lebowski, but he is so good in that movie. <laughs> so, a little side of point. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let me just read this out. In 1969, a U.S. Army Special Forces team receives order to secure a village against North Vietnamese forces. <laughs> now, uh, and things go awry when uh, one of the soldiers uh, arrives and notice that uh, some of the other soldiers uh, have had their ears chopped off. Uh, is this ringing a bell? Not quite a true story. This is Universal Soldier. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I've never seen it. John claude Van Damme movie? John claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren. Uh, oh if you have not seen this movie, because uh, I was like, what would be a good one? And, and sometimes sometimes I come in well prepared. Sometimes I have to do them on the fly as we're talking, and this is one of those. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I know what. Points for honesty. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, because I was like, ooh, this would be a good one, it, which is completely unlike this movie we just talked about, but it is, it's just absurd, and it's a, a very early Roland in movie um okay. who has evolved into doing bigger versions That's of independence it. Day, right? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and he did 2015 and right? um stargate yeah so uh he he knows how to you know handle the bombast uh <laughs> and the you know um so his bag of tricks has gotten bigger versus uh michael bass which seems to be the same bag of tricks over and over and over because uh, i was gonna look, i was looking at um, an early michael bay movie and i'm like god bad boys is his first movie so right yeah. it's like there's not a lot to draw from anyway this movie is uh, uh basically uh, the characters have have you seen universal Soldier? do you remember uh, this I, ring I a bell i watched it like once in an afternoon so like basically they ago. all they kill the, the 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 good guy john claude van damme and the bad guy is dolph lundgren they kill each other and then they're frozen and reanimated 
Isn't that what happens <laughs> in the Demolition day. Man? Uh, well, the, so is that it, the ex- it, like the exact same plot of Demolition Man? Uh, similar. Uh, I think it was a 1992 movie. It's so cheesy, and it's so. It, <laughs> it, I fun. mean, it, it is fun it, in a bad way. Right? Where's it? The 90s on the sleep, and I and I have to say that I'm sure if Joe were here right now, he would just be peeing his little <laughs> <laughs> peeing his little wrestling pants because he would. Yeah, it, 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 this is a movie if you can catch it on streaming or or just. Uh, find it some way it is it's i can't say it's a good movie but i can say it's, it's pretty enjoyable it's a deep fried taco oh it's a deep deep fried taco it's a chimichanga cool well thank you dan yeah no problem <laughs> so uh i guess that's it for this week uh, well let's go around the table and everybody can say where to find them this is dan you can find me on twitter at dan graney 67 g-r-a-n-e-y john lonnie you can find me at at vidzu media john or at john lawn one l-a-u-n one I'm Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Don't forget, if you would like to continue the conversation online, we are waiting for you at Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. You can email us if you have a more private question at Real Spoilers at ReviewSTL.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Spoilers. John has a question. Oh, I just I just want to share. I just want to say to all you guys, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this today. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks uh, for coming. a lot smarter. What, what, yes. great, what great insight. <laughs> You provided yeah, seriously. Cool. Thank you. And I think I, this whole episode might get redacted. Well, yeah. and, well, it might classified. Be. It might be. Um, I, I do want to say that a lot of my friends will listen to this, and I, I, I want to be. I want to share that my experience was six years and, and very limited to what a lot of these great patriots um, do for our country, sure. overtly and covertly. So I want to thank all of them for, for their service, men and women. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, now I feel weird going back into a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, if you love America, you can uh, find our podcast <laughs> at iTunes and rate and review us if you love America. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not, or elsewhere because you know we have listeners overseas. That's too. true. Yeah, if you love, if I think we have a listener from Saskatchewan. If you love Canada, you hey, can share it too. And if you love Her Majesty, sure, subscribe yeah. on or iTunes her, or her Secret Service. So, um, so yeah, there's a plethora of ways to get the show, and don't forget you can join our League of Show Sharers simply by going to Facebook, finding an episode, and clicking share. So the most recent one is the best way to get your name mentioned. Though. So uh, we appreciate you tuning in. I don't know what we're going to do next week, but I'm sure we'll do something because we always do. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, until next time, Saint Savage has a bomb that only destroys clothing. Everybody scatters And hopes it goes away How many kids they've murdered Only God can say
whatever questions that you guys want to know about. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I'll offer what's in the conversation, but especially when you get into the government space, if there's something, if there's a place you want me to go, I'm happy to go there. Okay. Area 51. Area 51 is still operational. Uh, there yes. are there are at least three flights that leave Las Vegas uh, every day to take contractors in and out, and I've been there. Oh, sweet. So wow. You've been to Area 51? Trust me, it's not as interesting as you think it is. But still, that's <laughs> really cool. I love the Mystique. So, so, yeah. so, so they're called Janet Flights, and, and they leave out of Vegas. And Janet Flights are unmarked jets that are owned by the CIA and other groups. And they what they what no, no one at Area 51 is allowed to stay longer than a week based on what they're doing. So what they do is they get on planes out of Vegas, go in, land there, they work all week, and get back out and leave again. It's really wow. interesting. And I, what do they do there? They do everything. I mean, like literally, there are there are still aircraft, you know, uh, in 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 conjunction with Lockheed Martin and Boeing doing skunk works. Um, but the place is so compartmentalized, and since everybody knows about it now, any of the really really cool shit has been removed and gone right. to other places. Gotcha. Which is which is earlier the conversation we had in the kitchen about the CIA. The reason why that we all know about the CIA now. I'd love to talk about that today. Okay. Absolutely. Sure. I love to talk about the ways I would have ended shows. I've talked about like how I would have ended Murder She Wrote before. Have I ever told you have I ever told you how I would have ended X Files? No. X Files I think should have ended with a boardroom of television executives yeah. and a meeting with like the CIA and or groups like that. Yeah. And they're pitching them a television show about and that that television show is the X Files, and that they will create the X an X Files style TV show yeah. to throw everybody off the scent of yeah. the actual X Files because <laughs> yeah. who would believe it if it's a television show? They would never. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Let this sort of information out. So they let it out as the X-Files to hide in plain sight. And then Carl Kolchak runs in and goes, aha, ah. So. <laughs> nice. 